Hello and welcome. I'm Joanna Junak and this is GFN News on GFN.tv. In today's program we are inviting you for the second part of the interview with Roberto Sussman on the latest study on metal contents in e-cigarette aerosol. Thank you Roberto for joining us today. First, can you tell us how you test for toxic chemical compounds in e-cigarettes? Well, yeah, first of all, um, we have to understand that what, what we are testing is what the user would be inhaling, right, from an electronic cigarette. But uh, we cannot put a detector or, a, a, or an instrument inside of the, of the mouth of the user, right? It's not possible. So this has to be done with, um, with machines. That has to be a machine that will do it. Not, not a per, it will not enter the person's body. And this is the way that also cigarettes, tobacco cigarettes are tested. They are tested with machines. There are special machines. What the machine does is the machine withdraws the, uh, you, you put for example, the cigarette or the e-cigarette in a, you place it and then uh, a pump will will draw whatever is tobacco or the aerosol of the e-cigarette and then once it is it is in it is withdrawn it will pass through a series of tubes or syringes or in fingers or whatever and it will go to a to a uh, analytic instrument typically it would be the, a mass spectrometry. So you need the machines. Now, the, the, the way these machines are programmed has to mimic the best as possible human usage of the device, right? It, it cannot reproduce it completely because these machines have to do it in a standardized way. In, in a regimented way. They have to withdraw one part after. It cannot be done with one part only. It has to be with several parts so that, because no part is identical to the next. So you have to do some statistics, right? And you have to program these machines so that they do this regimented puffing as best as possible, replicating or imitating the human conduct, right? Now, this is the way it is done more or less, but it was already done long time ago for cigarettes. Now, electronic cigarettes come to the market uh, around 2010, 2011. The models that came were the so-called Sigalikes. You can see the Sigalike. It is, uh, there's another one here. They are like, uh, Tobacco, like metallic tobacco cigarettes. They work in a very similar way to tobacco cigarettes. So the tobacco industry already had a standard to test cigarettes. And they adapted this standard in what is called the Coresta Protocol. It's an adaptation of tobacco cigarettes to test the early electronic cigarette, right? And it's a very elaborate uh, protocol. And you would be surprised to know that this protocol and minor variations of the, what, what I mean by protocol, you have to determine the duration of the path, 
the frequency, it one path and then half a minute and then the next one and so on and so on. And you also have to determine an airflow. How many milliliters per second you are going to draw? And also the volume of the material that you are going to draw. These plugging parameters are essential and you have to program them, right? And so they were uh, appropriate all these parameters for tobacco cigarettes, and not perfect, but they were okay. And also for the cigar lights, see? Now you have, if you are using something like this, this, to use this monster, you need a lot of airflow and a big volume, right? And also, people uh, in real life, you don't talk every five seconds or every 10 seconds. You might do that for a short interval, but then normal vaping in humans has a longer interval, right? So what happens is that this standard has not evolved. People are still testing uh, all models, including big, powerful mods, in the same way as they test these things. Or maybe you can have, like, this one is a modern, this one, this one, and this one. These are modern pods. And then you also have um, tank devices. I don't have one at hand. Small tank devices. That can also, let's say this one, it's a tank device, but it can still be uh, tested with the Coresta or a similar protocol, but not the big ones. Now, why? What? what because we have to see how human vapors vape, right? And there are two main styles. When, when you are, you, uh, people who started vaping in the early days with these devices, they did it more or less in a similar way as a cigarette because most of the vapors are former smokers or even natural smokers. So these devices, you vape them in a similar way as a cigarette. That is, you inhale, you have a retention of the material in, in your mouth cavity, and then you inhale it to the lung, right? This is called the mouth to lung style and does not require large airflows or large volumes. And uh, this is the way that's more or less like cigarettes are smoked and low power devices are also vaped like this. Now, this is one style, but as electronic cigarettes became very diverse with lots of models, and, and vapors started using more powerful models, like uh, this one is already an intermediate one, and this one is a very powerful one. But you do not vape them in the same way as you vape the other ones, because people wanted to enjoy larger aerosol flows to produce more, more clouds, right? And so, uh, there is, it's another style. The way these uh, uh, devices are used is the, through the so-called um, direct-to-long uh, style. You withdraw an enormous amount 
of fluid, of, of, it is really air mixed with the aerosol and goes directly to the lung and then it, it, it is exhaled, right? But we're talking, in, in, in the case of this one, you're inhaling more or less like 50 milliliters. Here, you can be inhaling like 10 times more, like half a liter of aerosol in a tidal volume of about 1.5 or 2 liters, right? It is a completely different story, right? So you cannot do a, you cannot program your machines to test an object like a, a device like this that can work with up to 230 watts. It's a very powerful device. See, you cannot test them the way you test something like this. If you do, you are going to get very misleading results that have no connection with a, with a way, with the real way that people vape, and it will produce an over, overestimation of toxic quantities, and that can also be explained, right? And uh, so what we need is an improved standard. See, most of the studies use the Coresta or, or variations, small vari variations of the Coresta, but are insufficient. You need to program the machines so that they will, will uh, pump, will withdraw large amounts of aerosol, right? And uh, you have to program the machines and test them appropriately. But you have to do a standard because there are so many devices, there are so many tests, you cannot have everybody choosing the parameters. You should, you have to, you need a standard. We need a new standard for testing electronic cigarettes in the laboratory. You mentioned that improper testing methods may not correctly determine the toxicity in e-cigarette vapor. What issues might arise when these improper testing methods are used? Because what happens is that Electronic, the electronic cigarette is inhaled, but the, the, the way the aerosol is created, you take the liquid and you have to heat the liquid. And when you heat the liquid, even though the temperatures are much smaller than combustion temperatures, they are around between 170, 180 degrees to 260, 270 degrees, so the range of temperatures. And uh, the the liquid the the components of the liquid will have some some uh, some chemical reactions uh, reactions uh, uh, typically oxidizing reactions or dehydratizing reactions that will generate byproducts and if you test them correctly then these byproducts will be in minute quantities trace levels maybe one to 10,000 times the mass of the aerosol, really tiny, tiny, and, and below the toxicological markers. But if you test inappropriately uh, uh, with the wrong puffing parameters, like the example I was saying, you test this monster in the same, with the same parameters that you test this one, then it's a disaster. And why it's a disaster, I explained very quickly, because this monster has a lot of power. Power is energy per time, right? So it will supply an enormous amount of energy 
to heat the coil, right? And this will vaporize a lot of liquid, right? But you need to take out this vapor in order to condense it and form the aerosol. But if your airflow is too small, you are not going to be able to evacuate efficiently this vapor. And as the regimented puffing goes on and on and on, the atomizer gets very hot, right? And of course, if it get, gets very hot, a lot of toxicants will be produced, organic and inorganic. The metals are inorganic. And, uh, and this, is, this is what we found that studies do. They report a lot of metals, a huge dangerous levels, but it is not, it is, uh, this comes from very unrealistic and misleading forms of testing. And to avoid that, we need a new testing standard. And this is, I, I, we hope that our paper will motivate that. Okay. How can experimental methods be changed so that these tests become more realistic? Yeah, look, uh, it's never going to be perfect mm -hmm. uh, because it's laboratory testing will never uh, uh, equal. It, it is never going to reproduce human experience, but has to approximate it. And once you approximate it, you can get an estimation of the amount of toxicity. It is a rough estimation, but it, it is good. If, if the testing is done correctly, it's a good estimation of the amount of toxicity that enters the body, right? right. And, it's, uh, and it can be done, but you have and also something I wanted to mention before I forget is that these products, electronic cigarettes, the aim of these products are for a human user, right? So uh, in the testing, you should, I mean, in fact, you must incorporate human volunteers to sample the aerosol that you are generating. Because what's the use of doing a test, a laboratory test that will generate an aerosol that would be repulsive or too hot or, or unpleasant for the users? It's the, so you need human users to be assisting you, to, be, to tell you. And they, all the studies that you find, they don't do that. They simply take the machines and put them, because uh, if the aerosol is horrible for a human, it's not going to be horrible for the machine. The machine will be working, right? So you need human assessment. And that should be part of the upgraded and updated standard for, for laboratory testing, human per, per, uh, participation, right? Thank you, Roberto. That's all for today. Tune in next time here on GFN TV or on our new podcast for more tobacco harm reduction updates. And on Tuesday, we are inviting you for the next part of GFN Voices, capturing the views and opinions of people who attended the Global Forum on Nicotine in Warsaw this June. Thanks for watching or listening. See you next time.